What's happening, man? Yeah, we are having a good time watching uh, Billy Napier's Louisiana Lafayette uh, put it down <laughs> on uh, Appalachian State a little bit here. Welcome to Climbing the Pocket Network's In the Huddle, where your favorite Climbing the Pocket personalities get together and talk all things Minnesota Vikings. All right. We're back. We're live. It is Tuesday in the huddle. My name is Jason Brown. You can find me on Twitter at Brown Jason. And we have a special guest joining us on this maybe optimistic episode of In the Huddle <laughs> Talking Vikings. <laughs> we got our man, Eric Eager, the good doctor. How you doing? How you been? Things are good, man. The season's been uh, kind of interesting so far. Uh, we've seen a lot of, you know, like, I think fun football. We've seen a kind of a return to normal with, uh, you know, um, you know, home field advantage and stuff like that. Numerically, actually, hasn't mattered. But it, it's kind of fun to see, you know, fans in the stands at U.S. Bank Stadium and other stadiums around the country. Um you know, we've seen some ups and downs for the Vikings. You know, they're never boring. That's that's of course what they always deliver. And uh, I'm I'm looking forward to this week against Carolina. All right, and my man Miles, how what you doing? Up? How you been? I'm all right. You know, both of my kids having meltdowns tonight, and you know, I'm down here. So, <laughs> hey, there you and, go. Well, but, I mean, you're, you're winning, kinda. Right now, you're yeah, winning. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just ready for. I'm for. I'm ready for Eric to hit the optimism button. So. <laughs> well, let's jump in. And before we do, just got to say what up to Mary, Raymond, Arthur. Uh, who else we got? Denver Sox fan, Dan, hating on the music. Arthur coming to our defense. Joseph, welcome. Skull, let's talk a little bit about these Minnesota Vikings. And uh, we've had some ups. We've had some downs. And so, Eric... I'm interested for your take because, you know, obviously you, you, you work for Pro Football Focus. Often we, as Viking fans, will tell you that your site hates our team. And so I'm looking after this game that was just played. I'm not going to lie. We won and I wasn't feeling the, the best about the team, even though we won. I wasn't very excited because we needed a last second field goal to beat the Detroit Lions. Uh Based on what you've seen from the Vikings season to date, like what should we make of this team? Are they any good? It, it's tough. I mean, I think when you look at this team, there's it, it's sort of the same Vikings that we've get, become accustomed to. I mean, ever since the three of us have been friends and have done this podcast and podcast together, it's like they have – there's always something good you can point to with the Vikings, right? There's always a, you know, a player playing well, a player who's having a career year. Um, there's always, you know, but it's always really hard for them to consistently put the important things together at once. And I think that that's like classic what's happening, right? Like we've seen, you know, the defense struggle week one and, and at times in week two, and, you know, Kirk Cousins play pretty good football the first three weeks of the season. And, you know, special teams play really well one week and miss a crucial kick the next week. And, and you know, it's sort of like, I think if they were to were able to put an entire game together, you know, maybe that Seattle game is what is maybe the, the um, 
your sort of ideal. I think if they if you could assure that they would put their best foot forward in every single game, they have the components to win against anybody in the NFL. Like I think that that's a fair assessment. The problem is, and that's not true about everybody. If the Jaguars put together their best game on all three phases, if the if the Detroit Lions put together all three phases in a game, um, Houston puts together all three phases in a game. Like I don't think they're capable of beating every team in the league. The Vikings certainly are. And I think the frustrating thing, and, and this is sort of what we've always said, is that it just never seems to come together for them. And it's because every bet that they sort of make is like that. It's like the bets that they make are high variance bets because they have to be cheap because of the Kirk Cousins contract and because of some of the moves they've made. Uh, and so part of me is like, I'm optimistic about guys like Justin Jefferson. There's really no regression there other than how much they've thrown to him. Um, I'm optimistic about Christian Derrissaw. I'm optimistic about some of the younger players in the offensive line. I'm optimistic about Danelle Hunter and what he's brought in his return from a neck injury. Um, But I'm not optimistic on the team as a whole in, in many ways because they just went through the easier part of their schedule and have come out two and three. You know, they have one of their easier games now, but it's a team, it's on the road. You know, it's a team that I think probably has a better coaching staff and so and so forth. And so, you know, we're sort of in this limbo situation if we're rooting for Minnesota, aren't we? So can you help me maybe put some of those things together where if you're looking at things now, DVOA has the Vikings with a top 10 defense, maybe I think number eight. If you look at overall PFF grade, the Vikings are grading out pretty well on defense there. You have Kirk Cousins, who's a top four quarterback in PFF grade. And I think at some point, maybe still in the season, was the highest rated quarterback from a clean pocket, which Mm -hmm. is like most predictive going forward. Yet, if you look at PFS power rankings, the Vikings are at 23rd with a less than 30% chance of making the playoffs. If you look at ESPN's FBI forward-looking rankings, the Vikings are, again, dead average. Ben Baldwin did some work today predicting where the Vikings are going to figure uh, to finish based on kind of how Vegas is looking at the teams. And once again, the Vikings are netting out as a dead average team. So how is it that you can have a quarterback who's playing excellent football it appears by all statistical measures a defense that is playing well justin jefferson decent pieces across your offensive line and still net out to be a team that's just like eh, and probably won't make the playoffs like how do all those components come together to give you that output yeah it's very much i think this is weird but i think you know and we've said this about the team for a long time they sort of know, right? They sort of know that they're not able to compete at the highest level. So they try to sort of reduce the question, right? Like in, in when I was a professor and I was like, you know, working on math theorems, it was always like, you know, if you can't solve the biggest problem, reduce it down and solve the smaller problem, publish that and move on. And it's like, I think that that's what the Vikings are trying to do here, right? In 2018, they tried to solve the biggest problem, which is win the first Super Bowl in franchise history. And that they weren't able to accomplish that. And, and Kirk Cousins in that year, he had a 79 pass, passer grade, which is 
the lowest of his Vikings career. He had 7.1 yards per pass attempt, which was the lowest in his Vikings career. Um, and But he threw 606 attempts, um, which is the most in his Vikings career, right? They say they tried to win with Kirk being the sort of put the guy in your back quarterback, and obviously that didn't work. And I think that the issue has been now but that every it, single offensive of Kirk. I don't think that was because of Kirk, though. I really don't. They were playing really good football earlier in the season doing that same model. I think it was more of how the play calling lack, – the lack of evolution in the play calling as that season went on and the lack of, obviously, the offensive line and what they're asking that offensive line to do compared to what their some of their parts are supposed to be. They built an offensive line that was supposed to be an outside zone run run scheme, and then they turned them into a, an offense that was going to be a straight drop back past offensive line. And that that's just not what they were built for. But I think the philosophy and the idea of what they tried to do in 2018 was there, but obviously the execution wasn't. I don't think yeah, don't you think, Kirk, though, that, really that if the if Kirk could, ste- could have stepped in and had run that offense and that offense would have worked – that had the highest ceiling of any offense they could have had, right? That's what I'm, that's what I'm saying, 100%. Like if, if Kirk was the type of quarterback, even had a little bit more mobility and ability to maneuver the pocket, you're probably talking about a playoff team that year. You're probably talking about a team that, that doesn't fire John D. Filippo. Even if John D. Filippo wasn't that good of an offensive coordinator, they probably saved some jobs and those types of things because if Kirk had elevated just a little bit more. But I'm just trying to say like Kirk wasn't the, the sum of – all the negative parts that season, I think it was sure. the other parts that they put around him that that weren't there. But I and I but I think that that's kind of the point, right? Which is you know, yeah, and and again, we're seeing some of the limitations of this even in places like Kansas City. But like yep. the the best quarterbacks, you sort of open the thing up, and you, you and in the best case scenario, you, you sort of get the high variance, you get the high scoring, you get the put the offense on my back and handle problems. And for the most part, the truly elite quarterbacks in the NFL can sort of do that and do that repeatedly. And in 2018, and good look, I, I'm open to the fact, I'm open to the idea that they hit the panic button too quickly and they should have continued with that, right? They should have consistently, you know, they, they should have let the thing happen more often. I fear that what the Vikings did, and I think that this is consistent with a lot of the criticism of their front office, is what they did is say, Let's let's reduce the variance of this offense and construct a situation where the Kirk signing in a vacuum looks good because it's the biggest thing that they've done in the in the in this recent era. And so what you've seen is a lot of play action. You've seen a lot of moving of the pocket. You've seen, you know, a a lot of things that made Kirk Cousins individual performance look good. Right. And and I think when you look at his PFF grade, essentially what we're trying to measure is how well he's performed the tasks that they've asked him to do. And I think in that regard, he's done well. I think the damning part of the Kirk Cousins performance for the Vikings and not all of this is his fault, but the damning part of the Kirk Cousins performance is what they've asked him to do or what they have not asked him to do. And I'll, mm-hmm. I'll take us a little bit further into what Cleveland did against the L.A. Chargers on Sunday in a game where they had to you know go toe-to-toe with Justin Herbert. And when you look at the Chargers, they're going for fourth downs on their own end. They're putting the ball in Herbert's hands against a great defense. And the kid delivered. 
And the Browns, when they had third and long against the L.A. Chargers at the end of the game, they ran the football. And again, I think Baker was really good on Sunday in what the Browns asked him to do. But what they asked him to do is sort of a damning thing as well. And and to me, that's, I think, a thing about Kirk Cousins is like, if you if you restrict the th- he can he can look like a really good quarterback and can perform really well, but the problem is you cannot restrict the things a thirty five whatever million dollar quarterback is asked to do because there just simply isn't enough on the rest of the roster to support that. Whereas with Cleveland, as we saw against Minnesota, there is more. Like you can when you have that money invested in Miles Garrett. You go and get a J- Jadavion Clowney. You get a John Johnson. You get a Troy Hill. You you draft Jeremiah Usakoramora in round two. You have a great offensive line and great running backs. Really and then you trade him. a one for Odell. Like, like all that stuff can support a limited ask out of Baker Mayfield. I don't think, and this is why we, we, we come up for air and we're like, why aren't the Vikings winning more football games? It's because they either believe they can't ask that much out of their quarterback or they simply just don't ask that much out of their quarterback. And even though he he answers the call from them, he needs to be answering a higher call in order to win more football games. So I guess, Miles, I'll flip it to you because it seems in many ways like Kirk Cousins has done a lot of the things that we've asked him to do this season. Like mm-hmm. in many of the games, he's done the clutch. And and not we were told, if you observe Kirk throughout his career, he hadn't done those things. And so I guess I'll flip it to you, and it, it's what most of the folks in the comments are really pointing to at this point. Um, does it all just come down to coaching? Is that the issue? Because it seems like now, yep. with the type of offense yeah. that we're running, when we give Kirk the opportunity, Kirk is showing up more often than not based on what they're asking him to do in this offense. And when they do open it up and like have to have a score to drive – to kick a field goal. I mean, cause you know, who needs touchdowns at the end of games, but that's another, that's another thing altogether. But when they need Kirk to get a drive, like he's done that multiple times in this season. So like, it seems that he's doing all that he can within the context of the offense. Is it all coaching? Like, what are you seeing out there in terms of the plays mm-hmm. that are being called or the adjustments that are being made? Is it all Zim and the coaching staff at this point that you feel is holding back the team? It's 100% Zim, and I say that because we've now seen under Mike Zimmer, one, two, three, we've seen three young first-time offensive coordinators. One of them succeeded because they had Gary Kubiak holding their hand, not even holding his hand, but Gary Kubiak basically being the middleman between Kevin Stefanski and Mike Zimmer, so they kind of got to stay in between so he didn't have to jump down Kevin Stefanski's throat every day. Um, John D. Filippo early on had his opportunity to kind of test his, his abilities. And, and I think the offense did really well in those in- instances, but where Zim struggled was it impacted his defense. And that, that was like a no, no for Zim. It wasn't about winning football. It was about impacting his defense because it wasn't the way he wanted to win football games. I'm not saying that they were winning a lot of games that year, but overall that's just not how Zim wanted to play football. And so you, you fast forward to 2021 you know, um, you got Clint Kubiak, Gary Kubiak's son. Well, Rick Dennison's not in the building because he won't get vaccinated. So there's one guy that that you can't have be that guy that is that like voice for uh, for uh, Clint Kubiak to, to Mike Zimmer. So now you have Mike Zimmer probably doing more in the offensive room than you'd probably even like him to, because 
he feels he needs to be involved in that situation because he probably doesn't have that same kind of trust in Clint Kubiak because someone like Gary isn't there to, to be that, that advisor. So I think Zimmer's issue is he doesn't know how to loosen the reins and let things happen because Clint Kubiak's offense, albeit an outside zone scheme, he's running it more of like the West Coast style where they're doing a lot more of the quick hitting throws. They're doing the quick slants, the, the things just to get the, the ball out of Kirk Cousins' hands quickly, which isn't a bad thing. The issue that you run into when you run that type of offense is if you're deciding that you have to run the football on long, on long downs, second, first and long, first and 10, second and long, it makes the rest of the offense harder because then you get into third and long and your play calling has been a lot of the, the inner short to intermediate routes. And now you're asking the quarterback or the offense in general to convert on longer down plays when your offense hasn't been built to do that anymore. And so there's a huge disconnect in kind of, I think Clint's trying to find his way, but he doesn't have time to find, like, this is where the Vikings had, had a huge bet on Clint Kubiak. And it did work out pretty well early on. They, the offense was, was doing pretty well the, the first few weeks of the season. I wouldn't even put it on them for them to, to lose most of the football games. But it's a, a lot of the lack of shot shot plays and the, the being aggressive. And that comes down to Mike Zimmer. And Mike Zimmer, end of game, Sunday is a perfect example. The Vikings tried to lose that game because they, they got to a point where they decided – they weren't going to be aggressive. They were just going to try to run the football and try to and give the ball back to the – they were going to give the ball back to the Lions. Uh, we don't know how much time would have been left, but they were like basically conceding that they were going to punt the ball back to the Lions because Zim would rather have the ball in his defense's hands than his offense. And in those situations, only a few times have we seen this offense really put a dagger into a team. 2019 against the same Detroit Lions team, uh, they have a shot play to Stephon Diggs to put the game away. Those types of plays, it doesn't have to be a – a 40-yard bomb to put a team away, but being more aggressive than what they've been doing, especially in the second half. They have one – I could be – but they have one offensive touchdown in the second half of uh, – second half uh, this season, I think it is. Like one. They've played five games. I think because you have the pick six by uh, um, Nick Vigil, and then you have one other offensive touchdown. I think it was Dalvin Cook. They don't have any other uh, t- touchdowns in, in the second half of football uh, this season. And that is that's on your that's on your um, head coach, in my opinion, because your lack of aggression, your lack of willing to open the playbook up or willing to open things up because you're afraid to create turnovers or to, to make people look bad. I'm not sure what the like the idea behind it is. It's not a philosophy. It's a philosophy we've seen from Zim, but I think he's dialed it back even more because of who his offensive coordinator is. And it's it's just starting to show. And as you start play, having to play better football teams. It's just going to display. Um, it's going to really exploit them even further because you even heard them say against the Detroit Lions, the Detroit Lions are zero and five and one of the worst football teams we've seen in a while. And they played really hard. And I actually don't even think they're that bad. So I think they're a pretty decent like coach team. I think Aaron Glenn has a, a really bright future as a D coordinator in this league. But like overall, that Lions team isn't good. They have a lot of a lot of players on IR, a lot of players hurt. Just not that good of a talent. And the Vikings decided. They're playing too high. We can't take any deep shots because the Detroit Lions with third-string cornerbacks and backup safeties are playing too high. We can't take a shot downfield. That's like the – like I think people should have been fired for that shit. I really do. Like to come out and say that on Sunday after you play the Detroit Lions, you luckily win the game even though you tried to give it away. And to come out and say, well, they played too high. We can't throw the ball deep. Like – 
what's going to be the excuse in three weeks when they – I don't even know who they play in three weeks. Whenever they play the Ravens or the, the Cowboys, any of these – the Chargers, any of these good football teams, what's going to be the excuse when they, those teams are like, we'll just play too high and, and rush four and good luck because we know you're well, not going to take I, a shot downfield. Like what's going to be the excuse then? Well, I think it's even not, worse in the sense now, that wait. like – well, yeah, it's even worse in the sense that when they do figure it out on offense, it's going to be against a team like Arizona that can beat up their defense. You know, like that's right. – I think the tragic thing about the Vikings is that they like – they look at these games and they and – and I think a lot of teams are like this. They like sort of play down to the opponent in, in a weird way where it's like, oh, we're, we're Detroit. We, you know, we're playing Detroit. We can lean on our defense and win this game. And the and the main issue is that like the, the you know they they can't right and they're and they don't build these like sort of habits of mind of of how to play football right like they don't they don't and it's like oh well one week it's like oh hey Eric notice they're eighth in PFF grades and the next week it's like hey look Kirk's third in PFF grades and it's like why are they two and three well it's two and three because they like never actually put it together right like they never actually you know, play great defense and then optimize on offense. I mean, and, and I think that that's the frustration that Vikings fans have, which is like this team, I mean, this has been historically, like there was that 19, like in the 90s, they had teams with like Chris Dolman, Chris Carter, uh, Gary Zimmerman, Randall McDaniel, uh, you know, Hall of Famers, Rich Gannon was a future MVP of the league. And it's like, they couldn't put it together. And people are like, why? And it's like, well, because the really truly elite teams in the NFL are pressing the edges that they have and they're, and they're catching good variants when they are brilliant in other places. And you look at what happened in the 2017 season that we're all chasing is that defense was the best in the NFL and the offense like did a bunch of really cool things under Shermer and played above its skis, right? And they did that for 16 games, and they won 13 of them. And it's like since then, it's almost always been like the defense falls off a little bit, and the offense isn't there to to to, to acquiesce, and the, or the offense stinks, and the defense is just not quite good enough to get a pick six when they need it, or something like that. And it's you know again, it's and and I think unfortunately what. The, the, the solution is is not what a lot of Kirk fans want, which is just a simply a better quarterback. And I know it's I know it's easier said than done, but like the truly elite quarterbacks overcome the issues that we're all talking about, right? They check into stuff, right? Like you never hear Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady say, you know, make the kind of candy ass excuses that the Vikings made about too high. Right, like you, you never in 07, Brady was never like, "Look, I just didn't get it to Moss because the Chargers are playing too high." Yeah, well, that's yeah, what I'm saying. And you, have you know, Justin like Jefferson. that's kind of that's Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen had three targets on Sunday. Yes, he dropped one, and that's a rare thing for him to do. Anyways, three targets all game, and the la- and the two the two catches he ended up having had to come when the defense is playing soft because they couldn't give up a big play, even though they gave up enough yards to let Greg Joseph kick a game winning field goal. But one thing I wanted to touch on, Eric, was last night's game was the epitome of what we're, what I like. I think John Harbaugh has evolved as a head coach. I think he's the type of person that he's been a head coach for a long time for that team. And rather than just continue to try to do the same shit year after year after year because he thinks that's how you win, he's evolved the way he's he's coached the football, coached football, and coached the games. 
Last night, there was – I don't know the exact time frame, but it was like 10 minutes. The Ravens were down 10 points. Most most teams, the Vikings especially, if you're down 10 points, you just score a touchdown. You're down 10 points. What do you think uh, Mike Zimmer would do in that situation? He's probably kicking the extra point, right? John Harbaugh was like, well, let me play the numbers real quick. We're down 10. If I can get us down to eight, we go for a two-point conversion now, and we're down eight. We have one – we're down we're down one score. And yep. then – because you never know how many times we're going to get the ball back in the fourth quarter. And they went for two. Yes, they got it. If they didn't get it, they then know that they still need two scores to to get back in the football game. So to make those types of decisions, I don't have faith in Mike Zimmer to make that decision to go for two in that situation, down 10 with 10 minutes left in a ball game. Because my assumption would be, from everything we've seen from him, he would choose, well, I'm down two scores. My defense is going to get us the ball back and we'll just go back and score and get ourselves back in the football game that way rather than being aggressive and not being afraid of going for two in that situation. And that's the type of thing, and that's the type of head coach I want to see moving forward. Like, Zim's been here for eight years. Where's that type of evolution? Like, Zim going forward on fourth down every once in a while. That's not an evolution. That is literally just what you should do in certain situations. So, like, making more heady decisions and – I hate the – I think analytics in, in itself is a buzzword. People just want to use it as an excuse to not do shit. No, no, no. It's just smart football. Think about the math. Think about the like what's going on in the game and what you should be doing moving forward in the football game to win that game. That's that's what it takes. And we're not. I'm not seeing enough from it from Zim as we, as he's been the head coach of this team for eight years. And so if he's not willing to evolve now, he's never going to do it. And I'm out on that. So Eric, can you well, talk and to the me? other thing like that they the other thing that they've done? Sorry, Jason, go ahead. Oh no, I was just going to ask you about it because kind of going along on the same on the same vein. Like we've talked about a couple of things, like the offense in the Mike Zimmer era, and also the the teams that press the edges, and the Vikings not being one of those teams. And so I'm just I know that I've seen you kind of tweet things about yeah offensive coordinator kind of rankings. The Vikings started off and looked okay. Now they're kind of right in the middle. Is that the sort of thing that has stayed consistent through the Zim years in terms of how like our OCs have performed? I know that if we go and look, like even for this season, even though we remember the Vikings going for it on fourth down a couple of times, they're still in the bottom third of the league in terms of making the right decision. If you're using the math that you know Ben Baldwin's uh, fourth down bot kind of shows on Twitter on an ongoing basis, like where do the Vikings actually uh, stack up by the numbers in terms of their coaching staffs? making the right decisions when they're supposed to um, versus, you know, doing the cowardly safe thing, like kicking that punt, uh, punting it back to your opponent and, uh, you know, hoping the defense does it, which really is a way to wave the white flag and not have yourself be in the papers. Oh, the team lost instead of like my decision lost the, 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 the game for my team. Well, well and Frank I think Wright so. did that last night too. He admitted he shouldn't have been conservative. Never would have heard Zim say that. Yeah, I mean, the Vikings so far this season, I believe, are sixth worst when they have a an edge of 1% or more per Ben Baldwin. Um, I mean, you even look – I mean, guys, you look at last night's game, and I know they lost, and I know Carson Wentz isn't very good. But you look at the Colts, like the Colts put themselves in games like that that they shouldn't be in because – they make the most of bad play. Like no one's going to sit here and say Carson Wentz is better than Kirk, right? No one's going to say the receivers for the Colts are better than the Vikings receivers and the offensive lines banged up and the defense. I mean, Xavier Rhodes is out there, right? Like Rhodes is, you know, 
Like the Vikings whoa, whoa, fans whoa. would probably prefer Patrick good. Peterson to Xavier Rhodes. That's true. He has, yeah. But I think that's part of part of what, what we're talking about, which is that they sort of take players who other teams have discarded or who are not considered good anymore and they turn them into to good, to better players. They they punch above the weight class. And that team, you know, is, is more competitive than they should be. I mean, the Colts are, you know, against the spread this year, I believe above 500, um, even though they haven't won all their games. Um, so I, I just look at the Ravens last night and I think to myself, like, they're also just like team building better, right? Like the Lamar Jackson thing was kind of, I wouldn't say borderline, but the Ravens, I think, were very smart in waiting another year to make sure because, you know, you know, for those quarterbacks like Mayfield, like like Jackson, like Allen, you know, the you you're not going to go over the ceiling. Mahomes' contract is the ceiling, and and for a lot of these guys that have success when they're young, they they do it with a really good roster. And the Ravens roster was you know seven is sixty seven percent the last two years of their salary cap was spent on the defense right and so the question is is like can Lamar play from behind he's never had to all this kind of stuff and interestingly the Ravens have taken this year and and it's been a natural experiment right because their defense has gotten hurt right they're actually simulating what's going to happen when Lamar's making all that money and they can't pay Marcus Peters well they they don't get to play Marcus Peters this year because he's hurt or they don't get to play, you know, they don't get uh, uh, J.K. Dobbins because he's hurt. They don't get Orlando Brown because they traded him away. Um, Ronnie Stanley's barely played. And what's really what's really cool about what the Ravens have done, is instead, of, instead of going in a shell and saying, woe is me, we're going to suck, they've pressed it and said, look, if Lamar Jackson's worth $45 million, this is exactly the time to find out. And they've pressed it with him, and he's beat the Kansas City Chiefs. He's beaten, uh, you know, they, they went on the road. You know, they beat the Colts. They, they've they've won football games that, and they and they've won. They they beat Detroit in a very similar manner that the Vikings did, in large part because the rest of the team let Lamar down. And what did Lamar do when he had to overcome that? He did. He made a fourth and nineteen, all that stuff. And I feel like. That is where John Harbaugh has evolved, and that's where the Ravens have evolved. It's like we're going to give our players an opportunity to prove to us that they're capable of being the no matter what players. And I think the Vikings do so many so many things to leave us in suspense about who are the no matter what players, right? Like even Justin Jefferson, who I think is fantastic, who could be the best receiver in the NFL – Sunday, they made an excuse as to why they can't throw him the ball. And, and mm-hmm. if you're one of the best players in the NFL, I don't care what coverage it is. I'm throwing you the ball. And the Vikings still let – like, they made excuses why they're not using their best player, why not they're not testing their best player. And it well, just – it, it drives like, me crazy. That ex- and that excuse against the Detroit Lions, when you look at the team that they have, is like makes it ten times worse. That's what I'm saying. Like, they're going to have that same excuse in a few weeks when they play – good defenses and they're going to say the same shit and we're going to be like, well, it wasn't Kirk's fault. And I don't want to make this about Kirk because the one thing I do want to talk about, I wanted to ask you, Eric, because your, your, um, your metrics say that the Vikings, Eric, Jason, what did you say? 26% chance 26% to make the playoffs. Make the pl- like 
to make the playoffs. Yeah. Talk me into how, like, where are the true positives for this team? Because, like, they're two and three. Yes, it's not great, not great at all. But like, they have been in some really close games. Like I said a few weeks ago, the way that they lost a couple of those games, we're going to come back around and they're going to win a couple of those those same kind of games, um, win those games rather than lose them. Sunday was a perfect example of you should have lost that game because you you blew it you, you blew it at the end, but you found a way to win it somehow. Like that stuff comes back around sometimes for for de- even decent football teams. Like so, what where can the Vikings find some like sliver of hope moving forward? Like, can we hope rather than just like the well, Kirk's playing well? Like, what like what quantifiably can we like measure to say like this team has a chance to like have a chance? Well, I think the problem is that you've already like if you're the Vikings, you've already fired some of the bullets that you ha- like. You already emptied the chamber on a lot of the things that you had going into the season, like optimistically, if you were a Vikings fan and you wanted to see them make the playoffs, they had to come out of the stretch three and two, four and one. Because, you know, per my metrics, they've had the 21st most difficult schedule this year. After this, they have the third most difficult schedule. So what that means is, like, I agree with you, Miles. Like, there's going to be a game where Kirk Cousins is going to play out of his mind and they're going to win. And we're all going to be happy about that and that's going to be great. The problem is is there aren't the games like the Detroit game where he can play like shit and they can win or they can or their offensive game calling it can be crap and they can win they there's not that like look like look at their schedule right now go after this week so they got they got Carolina on the road and then they uh then they have the bye then on on uh Halloween night you have Cowboys on, Cowboys are one of the best teams in the NFL like full stop so like you're not playing a bad game against the Cowboys and winning um, following that, you have uh, you have Ravens. you're at Ravens. You're not playing a bad game and beating the Ravens, right? Then they go at Chargers. You're not playing a bad game and beating the Chargers. Then you have home to the Packers. You're not playing a bad game and beating the Packers. So, like the the problem is they've had like they played a bad game against the Bengals and they lost. And I think every optimistic Vikings fan would have liked them to win that game, right? That game, that game's going from a coin flip to a sure loss when you play these great teams coming coming down the pipe. They played a great game against Seattle, and they won that game going away. If you play that similar game against the Ravens, that game's a coin flip. You see, you you see, like when the when the mm-hmm. competition changes, like we're going to be looking at those games and saying, "Oh, woulda, coulda, shoulda," and it's like, "Well, you turned a Detroit Lions game into a woulda, coulda, shoulda." You know what I mean? And like that's – or you turned a Cincinnati Bengals game into a woulda, coulda, shoulda. And I feel like most of their games, if they play poorly, they're going to get blown out against these great teams. And if they play a good game like they did against Arizona, it's going to come down to a field goal. And if you split those games, that's why my projected mm-hmm. win for them is 7.5. Like I still have them winning five and a half games the rest of the year. And if you look at that competition, that's not that's actually being favorable to them. Like no, no, I, it's just wild. It's just wild. Like and and because yeah, yeah. again, I think competition matters. Like and I just want to give a few anecdotes here. So to date, here are the easiest schedules in the NFL: Carolina, Denver, Buffalo. Right. Okay. Those are there's two teams right there that are full of crap. Right, and we've seen that and the Denver's last. Denver's in the AFC. 
And Denver's in the AFC West saying that, which is wild. Yeah. The hardest schedules to date, Miami, Kansas City, Detroit, L.A., right? There are two teams there, Kansas City and Miami, that have underperformed. Well, they've had to play some tough teams in underperforming, right? And so the Chiefs' bad games turned their games against Baltimore and against L.A. Chargers into coin flips that they lost, right? And so, like, again, that's the issue that I have when we think about this Vikings team, which is that it, they're going to have to run good in the in the poker sure. parlance against these great teams. And that's why I just don't see them making it. And they're already behind the eight ball. I know Green Bay's got a tough schedule, but they got a two-game lead. The Bears have a one-game lead on them, despite everything, despite their coach <laughs> sabotaging their rookie quarterback <laughs> in his first start. Oh, man. So, so Miles, um, where were what did you get from an optimistic standpoint? What, what, what did you glean from there? That uh, this team, the Vikings, this team can win. This team can win at least seven games. <laughs> like, but like, I know like people have harped on Eric for being really negative, but like most of his predictions on the Vikings have hit over the years, especially the last four. And so, how do I? Who am I to be like? Oh, Eric, you're wrong. Like, and what has this team done the last five weeks to to, to like pr- provide that confidence? that they're going to be an effective, not even just like a squeak into the playoffs type team, but like an effective team in the playoffs. Like what have they shown us to even like to even be a playoff team, let alone a team that can win a playoff game. They haven't. And this is considered the easier part of their schedule. It's not an easy schedule. Like I'm sick of the excuses. Well, they lost to a good team. You're supposed to beat good football teams at some point. Good football teams beat other good football teams. And those good football teams then win 10, 12, 14, you know, 13 games a year. Those are the good football teams consistently. They win those 10 plus games every year. The Vikings have won 10 plus games once in coming going into four years. If, if they don't win 10 plus games this year, it'll be one in four. And that's the one playoff season. And we're supposed to sit here and pretend like everything's okay. Like, Oh, we got to be more optimistic about things that are happening. No, fuck that. Just win, beat good football teams. Yeah. Like you've have you have too many established players in too many important areas on this football team to have the excuses that they try to have every week when they don't win. You have the people in place, at least from what ownerships put in place, to to be a decent football team, and they're not a decent football team right now. And they need to they need to be better, or it's just got to burn it all down. I mean, yeah, I think that's the big thing is, oh, is definitely Dave. Definitely, that's, that's the problem. The all three phases def- have to come together perfectly. And I think and I think that's the point. If the, if all three phases come together, they can beat teams like Seattle handily. They can whoop up on teams like the Bengals and they that's can get into lying. coin and they can get into coin flips with some of the truly elite teams. If they play a really like- good game against the Ravens, they can play the Ravens close and possibly win. If they do the same like, thing against the one thing the Vikings have always been good at under Mike Zimmer is beating shitty teams, right? Like they've always beat until the last two years. They're, they're barely beating good, bad football teams now, and like that should be the red flag that we're talking about, not the other stuff. Like not even the fact that they're not beating good football teams. 
It's the fact that they're barely beating bad football teams. Well, and that's and that's the whole betting market thing that I know our friend Flip yeah. doesn't like. But like, they're two and ten against the spread the last twelve games, right? It, like last year they had a nice little stretch, but like being a good football team does not mean losing <laughs> to Andy Dalton at home, having to go to overtime to beat the Jags, and having and and needing Joey Sly to miss a field goal against Carolina, right? They covered the spread mm-hmm. in a lot of three of those games, right? It also doesn't mean beating Detroit by two on the road in week 17. They didn't cover the spread in that game. Like like you said, Miles, like the the, the the big thing in like, and this is, and everybody wants to give me shit about this, but this is the stuff Teddy Bridgewater used to do, right? When Teddy Bridgewater would start a game against the dog crap, like San Diego Chargers in week three of 2015, he beat them by three touchdowns, right? When they when they played Matt Barkley or whatever and, and Chicago at, at – TCF Bank Stadium, he would score five touchdowns and, and and you know beat that team by thirty. And yes, they would lose to the Cardinals, AFC, NFC Championship game Cardinals by three on that Thursday night game, or they lose to Denver, who won the Super Bowl that year by three. But like again, he kept he keeps you in all the games, and he blows out he he leaves no doubt. And that's another part about like you know until the last year for Andy Reid, it was the same thing. Belichick and Reed were winning 70% of the games decided by more than one score, right? Like the no doubters, you're just as a down payment. And that's how you win 12, 13 games a year. The way you win eight games a year is you make every single game into a coin flip and your fans are like, oh, throw out the bad game. You throw out the bad games against Detroit. But look at how look at how amazing it was to take Tampa Bay down to the wire. It's like, but you don't get to do that, right? You don't like when you do that. That's how you end up eight and eight all the time. And, and Ryan, when you bring Eric on and he and Miles are riffing the way they're riffing, <laughs> a good host get out. You get out the way and you let the magic happen. Yeah, you know, I don't need to go in and, and interrupt Eric. I mean, come on now. Maybe, maybe tomorrow, like- tomorrow show. But today <laughs> we let we, we we let it breathe. We let the guests do their thing around here. <laughs> so like, we do I, have a game. I like, I, 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 yeah, I just hate. We do have a game coming up. With the, I just hate where we're at with this team right now. That's like, I think that's where my biggest frustration yeah. is. Like, and I, and I team, think even, yeah. I think the 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 sinister part of where this team is is exactly what Miles is saying, which is, I hate where this team is now, and I want to see a change, and I want to. It's not even just a change in what the constituent parts are; it's a change in the orientation of how they view football. And, mm-hmm. and it's, a, it's a change in what does it mean to be a good football team in the NFL? And, and you know, like, I think, I think somebody on, here and there. Yeah, I think somebody on Twitter was saying, you know, said something to the effect of getting rid of Mike Zimmer doesn't solve the problem. And I'll grant everybody that. I think the and, and I because I don't think Zimmer's a bad coach. I think that there was a time and place where he was the right coach for this team. I think that the issue is is getting rid of Mike Zimmer makes some of your problems solvable. It doesn't solve the problem, but it makes some of your problems solvable. And that's and that there's a difference there. And I think the same thing's true about Cousins. Cousins is not the problem, but he gets in the way of you solving some of your other problems. Oof. So I, I I won't lie and pretend that I've watched a minute of Carolina Panther football this year, Eric. How do we match up with this team? Yeah, the the market's open at the Pickham. Uh, there was some betting on Carolina early. Now there's some betting on Minnesota. Minnesota's currently a small favorite. 
Uh, I think the Panthers ha- do some things that can really affect what the Vikings want to do. Brian Burns is a defensive player of the year candidate. Uh, Hassan Reddick has played tremendous. Um, Shaq Thompson's a good linebacker for them. And they've gone out and acquired a lot of corners. I know Gilmore won't be ready for this game, but they went out and acquired C.J. Henderson. They drafted J.C. Horn, who's obviously hurt and, you know, triggered a lot of the signing at the cornerback position. They have Dante Jackson as well. Jeremy Chin, who Vikings fans know, is the guy who scored two touchdowns last year against them. So defensively, I think they have enough depth to to really, like, press the edge a little bit with the Vikings. Um, I think that there is a little bit uh, of an issue um, – you know, on the offensive side of the ball, they have Cameron Irving playing left tackle. So I think Danell Hunter and Everson Griffin are going to play well. But the Panthers are one of the Panthers are, I think, second best in the NFL right now at the least amount of their targets to wide receivers being contested, meaning DJ Moore and company are wide open. I think Joe Brady's doing a fantastic job of, of getting them the football. And so I, I think. I think this is going to be a tough game. I do agree with the markets being basically split. I think whoever loses this game is probably eliminated from the playoffs without knowing it. And I think the team that wins this game might have, you know, a far obviously a far better chance uh, than they thought they would. Oof. So, Miles, after what we saw at Detroit, because you had a pretty high bar of what you were expecting to see from the Vikings against, you know, a shitty Detroit Lions team. Going into this game against a Carolina team that, I mean, they could be paper tigers. Like, they started off hot, but like Eric said, they haven't really played anyone that great. What are your expectations for the Vikings going into this game, coming off the game they just had? It'll be a close game. Like, that's all <laughs> I have to say. Like, there really isn't anything else. Like, it'll be a close game. I I don't think anyone's going to blow anyone out. I it would, it would surprise the hell out of me if either one of these teams blew the other team out the way both have, both have been playing. And somehow both teams are going to find ways to screw something up. And someone's going to make the le- the worst, the make is going to, someone's going to make a mistake the least at the end. <laughs> Just trying to say, yeah, Weatherly, Weatherly's revenge gonna, game. He's going to have a strip. He's going to have a strip sack somehow because he's going to finally get a, a snap and, and win a, win a rep and, um, he's going to win the I mean, win the Cam- game, and Deshaun's going to be insufferable. Do, do you guys? <laughs> no, no. Cam Irving yeah. can do no, that I, for you, though. Yeah, I'll, I'll throw an optimistic bone everybody's way. Okay, this game is a no lose game for the Vikings. If they win, you go into the bye week, you can regroup a little bit. Season's still alive. You're five hundred. And there's some optimism. There's some hope. And I think a lot of our my my criticism of the Vikings, and I think criticism that the three of us all share, is that there's just a lack of hope, right? And I think at least if they win, you get this micro micro dose of hope for this season. If they lose, I think real changes are going to occur. Yep. And so and and I think for all realistic Vikings fans, and I and I count the three of us, I count everybody uh, in the chat, I, I count you know most reasonable people that that we we all kind of sense that that needs to happen, right? So either you extend the season. I don't think there's a situation where they lose and we extend this purgatory through the bye and through this really tough schedule moving forward, right? And so 
that that to me is the positive of this game. This is a game where it, cer- it certainly turns the season into one where we have 11 games after this and, and it's, you know, let's just have fun, see what happens or let's move on from all of this. And, and, and I think we get to see some different players play. I think we get to see some different schemes happen and that kind of thing. And as such, this game I think has kind of a no lose situation attached to it. Are yep. they playing Kellen Mond in that situation? I'd like to see Kellen Mond play. And again, like I said, I don't think Kirk's the problem, but, you know, there, there are, there's a team out there that's going to want Kirk. And I think the Vikings would be stupid not to not to at least consider it. Yeah, but they're not going to make that move now. Like... I think I think you you signal the league though. Like for example, I mean, I guess the Dolphins are so far out of it that it might not make sense. But like, think around the league. I'm I'm actually looking now uh, at at my simulation here a little bit. Um, teams that could use a Kirk, um, you know, like that actually have some playoff hopes. I mean, um, you know, obviously there's 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 not that many injuries. I mean, Seattle could use Kirk Cousins. I know they don't have a ton in the way. Uh, of of cap room, but like if they want to make Most the playoffs, of these teams don't. yeah. So I mean, but the Vikings could like share some of the costs. You know what I mean? Like there could be some sort of uh, arrangement there. But yeah, I, I I think you see Mond at some point um, if, if you see the coach fired, which is probably good. All right. Well, there it is. We got an optimistic take. And uh, before we go, last thing, Eric, you're here. Uh, I need a, a score prediction from you and a bold prediction for this game. Oh, okay. I'm going to go – look, I'm going to be positive here. I think the last time I was on, I predicted that they beat the Bengals. So I'm I'm 1-0 in positive predictions. I'm 0-1 in actual predictions. Um, Let me go with – total on the game's 46. So let me go 24-23 Vikings – Greg Joseph uh, gets you know into our hearts a little bit uh, with with another game winning kick, um, and they go into the bye with a W. Boom, Miles. Uh, to answer Mary's question, it'd be Andre Patterson if um, Zim gets fired. But um, like I said, I think it'll be close. I think it'll be twenty three to twenty Vikings. And I uh, just pause real quick because I just want to Daniel. It's a great comment, Kirk. Uh, you know, isn't the problem, as I think we've said many, many times on this episode in particular, uh, Kirk isn't the problem, but also the team is telling us what they think of Kirk by what they're not asking Kirk to do throughout the game. They're showing us that they don't trust him to take the offense on his back. And that in and of itself means that like the current situation isn't one that's tenable moving forward. Somebody different has to be involved in that equation because the current staff, and if we want to put it all on Zimmer, Mike Zimmer doesn't trust Kirk Cousins. And if that's what it's going to be, and you're going to put a limiter on your very expensive quarterback, it's putting a limit on what your team can eventually be. So not Kirk's fault, but Kirk is a part of the equation, and some part of it has to change if we're going to hope to see different results. The, the fact of the matter is, and like no one is willing to say this, we, this was a first guess. You, you, we've been friends since before the Kirk contract, and we all said, like, 
Kirk's a good quarterback, but can you win with Kirk? And they're basically a 500 team sense. And they're less than 500 against the spread. Like, we're not, like, this, this, we're not gaslighting anybody. This has happened to us. Like, this has happened to us. And the, and the, and it's, and it's not, and it's not, it's pretty invariant. Like, you slice any Vikings, you know, 10 game sample and they basically have the same record in those 10 games. No matter sort of how you look, like, there hasn't been a bad streak. There hasn't been a good streak. It, they, they've just been. You know, and again, I think most Vikings fans, including the ones watching this, want better. And, and I think like we're just in that category. And you know, and and this is not an exception. This is the rule. When you like Carson went, the course of Carson Wentz is as is laying in front of Kirk. The corpse of Jared Goff is in front of Kirk. The corpse of you know, uh, even like Matt Ryan, who I think is a much better player at times. His corpse is in front of Kirk. Like, this is a solved problem, and the longer that the Vikings pretend it's not, the longer we're going to have discussions about why they can't get over the hump. Well, there it is. That's it. That's all. Chris, hope we answered uh, your your question there. And uh, with that, Dave, what do we got going on for the rest of the week? For the rest of the week, we have tomorrow night with... Of course, Vikings Happy Hour, Thursday with Flip and Eric. And we start all over on Sunday or Saturday afternoon with two old bloggers. Well, there it is. That's it. That's all. Uh, David, play the music. Playing the music. Thanks for watching. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell. And if you're listening on your favorite aggregator, make sure you rate us. And always feel free to join the conversation here at Climbing the Pocket. Skull, everybody.